everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. We're talking about celebrities and Liam, my eight-year-old, asked me, he said, are you a celebrity? Asked me that. And I was like, uh, no. He's like, feel like you're kind of famous. (laughs) Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it's as messy as you think. We know that starting a business isn't easy. Because we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed, whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, team training. We love to motivate others to take those big leaps. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're talking just the two of us about last week's episode with sisters Jackie and Cassie Collier, founders of The Bundle Game, a unique personalized board game brand that is all about you. At Bundle, their mission is to bring people together for life's most celebrated moments. They create one-of-a-kind custom board games that encompass your favorite memories, stories, and inside jokes. All right, let's get started. I always love interviewing sisters. It's so fun. I know. It helps me feel a little bit more like validated. Yeah, I know. And I'm not a crazy person. And also it's like so refreshing and reassuring Mm -hmm. like to see other people doing it. I know. Because it's it's very different having a conversation with sister partners and then just partners in general. Because the partners in general like kind of dance around like the emotions of the other person where you're just like, no, you're being a fucking asshole. (laughs) That's the answer. I don't know. Did you get the impression that that's how Jackie and Cassie speak to each other? Uh, I'm sure they're pretty real with each other. I would assume so. They're sisters. But I loved, so I I think it was really neat. Their journeys, or they're very similar to us. One, they have a younger brother like we do. I know. Just crazy. I love that they, right off the gate, said they chose to share a room, which has always been our story. So I feel like they are very similar. So I would be curious, what do you think our biggest fight has ever been as kids? I mean, pre-business ownership. It was over the sweater vest. Yeah. It was the sweater vest fight. Yes, that was a big one. Or it was the time you called me a bitch on the way to baseball practice. Mm -hmm. Either one. Yeah, those were pretty good ones. You were being annoying. I was trying to make sure you got there safely and weren't abducted. Well, still. (laughs) I was so offended. Yeah, I was so offended over the stupid sweater vest. I know. Well, what is your take on the sweater vest story? My take is is that there are very few things, so we were very different sizes. And Courtney's always been smaller than me for the most part. We like, had just moved to North Carolina. We had just moved to North Carolina, so we knew nobody. Yeah. And the, we always shared shirts. It was the only thing we really could share. We couldn't share shoes. My feet were like two sizes bigger than hers. We couldn't wear pants because all of our pants were like way too short. And she was like a good two sizes smaller than me. Like she was like a two and I was mm-hmm. like a six or something. But we could always wear shirts, always. Mm-hmm. It was we had a communal off. closet. Yeah, we did have a communal closet. Yeah. And there was no rules for it. It didn't matter if you just bought it and you hadn't worn it first. It didn't matter, like, <clears throat> if you've worn it a million times. It, you did have to ask. Yeah. You did have to ask. But the answer was always yes. And I can't remember. It was your sweater vest, wasn't it? It was my sweater yeah. vest. 
And I wanted to wear it to school the next day. I had this perfect outfit planned. And she said no because she hadn't worn it yet. But she wasn't going to wear it the next day. It wasn't yeah. that she was going to wear it. She was going to wear something completely different. So it wasn't like, oh, I want to wear this. Mm-hmm. And I got mad. You got mad. We shared a room. We, we were, were in this a, apartment. We were in a two-bedroom apartment. Right. Where our house was being built. Yes. We shared a room, and she was so angry. She said, I can't even sleep in the same room with you. Yeah. I was so mad. She was so mad. And I was like, she's like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this room. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> leave the room. And she did. She took her pillow and her blanket. She made a pallet outside our door because our brother was sleeping on the couch in yeah. the living room. Like, I that think was I slept. I think I slept by the front door of the apartment. I know. <laughs> next to the couch. Yeah. I was so angry. You're so angry. I was mad for days about that. <laughs> But two, like, it was just like, it was one, everyone's emotions were high. We had just moved. And I thought my dad had ruined my life because I was in eighth grade mm-hmm. and he made me move in the middle of the year. It wasn't in the beginning of the year and whatever. But what was so frustrating is the fact that like clothes were really hard for me to find. Like it was really hard for me to find anything that fit me, especially pants. My parents only bought me one pair of jeans a year, one pair of pants a year. And it was from Eddie Bauer because mm-hmm. they were $80. Yeah. And so I had to take very good care of my clothes. We would go shopping. And I think I hate, I hate shopping for a long time. And Courtney would have like all this stuff that always fit her and it was perfect. And like, remember that maroon skirt that was beaded? Remember that beaded I maroon I do. Skirt? So I loved that skirt. And mm-hmm. I, it just... I think you found it first and, and it fit me because it was like a stretchy skirt yeah. or whatever, but it was always that way. <laughs> and so it was like super frustrating when I found something that actually fit me because it wasn't that I could wear all your clothes, but you could wear all of my clothes. Yeah, it's and true. And then you said, no, it just, you know, brought back all of the, my life is so unfair. <laughs> this sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. I remember that was one of our biggest sister fights. Mm-hmm. I also remember you trying to punish me by not sleeping in your bed. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to be around. I wasn't punishing you. I just was trying to make a point that I don't even want to be around you. Like, you're so unbearable right now. Okay. Yeah. I can't even remember what mom and dad did, though. Mom made us make up. She's like, you need to get you guys to make up. And it was days. I mean, it was like two, three days later. Yeah. I don't even know how it ended. I don't even think I wore the sweater vest. I think I I I didn't think I wanted to wear it after that. I probably was like, fine, you can wear it. You're like, I'm not wearing the vest. I could imagine being just like that. I'm sure there's not very many sisters that can count their arguments on one hand. Yeah. I loved how when they first started their, and just kind of moved, moving from sister thing to sister thing, when they first started their business, they were very open about, like, the roles. Because I think mm-hmm. that it is super messy. Mm-hmm. And it might be that way for many partnerships, and this might not just extend to sister partnerships, but I think it's hard to say, like— who's going to do what in a business. And I th- think for us, yeah. it was kind of like, we're both going to do this business. Mm-hmm. And then it became like very hard to both do the business. Cause like, we both don't think the same way. We both don't act the same way. We both have different strengths and we would handle things differently. And then at some point your business gets so big that it doesn't even make sense anymore. Yeah. I just think it's the one part we're really terrible at. Yeah. I think we're actually really terrible at it. I agree with that. Like it's not our strong suit at all. And, and I think even, too, like, sometimes I think about, like, okay, like, you have – this is your job, your bucket, here's my bucket or whatever. We still – and I and I felt this, actually, with our episode with Brandy, mm-hmm. how she – Brandy Gar, how she was saying she still had a finger in almost every single thing. And I feel that, like, I still have a finger almost yeah. in every single thing you do where you still have a finger in almost everything that I do. 
And I personally feel like it's hard. It, it breeds some resentment sometimes. It breeds complacency mm-hmm. a lot of times for us because I don't, I feel like I can't make decisions. Like we're trying to, we were putting together this presentation and you were busy doing something and I was getting started on it and I couldn't get started on it because I needed approval for what template we were using. Like, why the fuck does that matter? Like, just pick a template. Like, I know you don't really care. I don't really care. Right. But I felt like, like paralyzed by making that choice because like, you know, we've always made them together. You've always approved the template or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And it's same thing. Like, even though finances are squarely in your category and I not saying you should, like, I know I'm in them and we talk about them briefly, but there's still always this, like, are you okay with this? Are you okay that we do this? Mm-hmm. Are you blah, blah, whatever. Like, so I feel like that, that's where the, yeah. that's where it gets hard. And I'm not saying I want to be out of finances fully. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there's like different things that like where you actually don't let the person be a hundred percent of it, yeah. which is where I feel like when you separate it into that CEO and COO side of things, yeah. there's, they're two very different roles and you have those, you know, coming of minds together or those weekly, monthly, quarterly meetings where you're kind of like debriefing all the things. But at the end of the day, like the buck stops with that person. Like yeah. I'm not, at, I'm not in this meeting asking for your permission to do this. I'm just saying, this is what happened. This is what I did. This is how I solved it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's hard for us. I think we both have a, a, a problem letting go of control. Right. Like we both want control. We both want control. Well, I mean, I could say like for the record and I can put this in writing. <laughs> that I don't care about the template and you have full, full autonomy in choosing whatever template it is that right. we're going to do. I think what it is, is for me, I would be like, I want your approval because I don't want to get 12 steps down the road and you'd be like, I hate that. I'd be like, mm. so angry about like right. work that I've done. No, because we've been there before. Yeah. We have been there before. And I think that that's where at the end of the day, when you get to the point of this is your job role. Like, it doesn't matter if I don't like it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's what it is. Right. Because that was your job to do, and I trusted you to do that. And unless it's something that's going to ca- be a liability right. or something that's going to cost us a ton of money that I don't agree with, those are the only two times you can say, nope, I, I don't care if you're 10 steps into this. I don't agree with this. Right. You know, but everything else doesn't matter. Yeah. I feel a little bit of, like, division of duties in the one aspect of our newest venture with Anthem House. Like, I feel like I'm way more into the back and forth with Amanda on that and whatnot and how we're oh, going yeah. forward with his clients and whatnot. So I do feel that way. Well, yeah, because that, that's not my, that's not my wheelhouse. Selling yeah. it's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, finding, like, showing value for that is not something I'm good yeah. at. But I totally agree. I mean, I, I agree that that's definitely a, not a strong suit. But I think that there's definitely been some headway in that direction of, like, mm-hmm candid conversations of literally this is how my brain works and this is how your brain works. And the reason that we work together so well or are as far along as are is because our brains work differently, mm-hmm. you know, but then like not just resenting the way that your brain works. Because I mean, I definitely feel that way sometimes. Like I do. Like I feel like I wish my brain worked differently, but it does not, you know, mm-hmm. or I know you feel that way. Like, I wish my brain worked differently. I just think it gets so messy. I think with the messy part, and I think this is probably true for any partnership, but I think going back to what you said in the podcast about how you like you make this, you sometimes make the wrong business decision because you're making the decision based on caring for your sister. 
And I think that's what makes things so messy and hard is there's an emotional element to it. And there's a lot of like, oh, I understand where they are. I understand where they are. Like, I get it. I get it. And you can't, you, you can't take off your sister hat and put on your business hat. Like, even though you say you, oh, this is a business decision at the end of the day, it's not. Right. Because you know how it's going to negatively impact a family or whatever. And it kind of goes back to like, and I think, I think that's what's super hard. And I think when you, I think that's what makes the sister relationship really strong. And mm-hmm. I think it's what makes the times of like the pits like super hard to get over. Yeah. Cause it just, it does. Cause I think it does breed resentment when you're like, well, I made this decision that was best for you and not great for the business. And now we're here and I mm-hmm. hate you for it. <laughs> and could literally resent you for yeah. it that we made this choice and right. we, because I knew it was best for you. But it, I knew at the end of the day, I knew it wasn't what's best for collectively everybody. Right. You know? Yeah. I could see that. I'm not saying you specifically. I'm saying there's been lots of instances like just where we, in general, where we've done it to each other. Right. But I just, I don't think it's avoidable. You know what I mean? No, it's not avoidable. I, but I, I think it goes back to what I said before about having empathy and compassion is like, understanding and to have more compassion mm-hmm. of, of where that it's not an easy black, white answer yeah. necessarily, you know? No, I totally think that. I love that revelation that you had though in your therapy. Mm-hmm. I feel that deeply. Yeah. Cause you're just, you are, I think you're like, I can feel where you're at. I acknowledge it, but move on. We're not living there. Yeah, because I because that's not how I am. I, I don't I don't live. I think I don't I'm like the out. opposite. I'm like, oh wait, you're feeling bad, but then I'm like super compassionate. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell when sometimes when someone's I can't sometimes pick up what someone's putting down. No, you, you know right, what I mean. Right, right. I also I loved her story in general about, and I think too, and I think this goes back to sisters. Like I think you could do so much more. Like at, as sisters, like the goofiest, craziest, biggest, boldest steps. Mm. Could you feel empowered by your security blanket? Mm-hmm. But I love her story about how she met Sarah Blakely. Mm-hmm. And her sister was like, hey, we should dress up as yeah. Sarah but I, and Jesse. But I think it's honestly like, and I think what makes them great business owners in general is that they didn't walk into that blindly. Like they knew that person well. Like they knew yeah. that it would go over well. Yeah. And whereas I feel like a lot of people, like probably for me, if I didn't know them, but I had this opportunity I would have just been like, you said to me, but absolutely not. Like, we're going to be in there professional. We need to be professional because it's mm-hmm. a serious business. Yeah. And it probably would have fallen flat. But it goes back to, like, understanding, like, who your audience is yeah. and, and taking those risky moves because you and feeling confident in it because you understand who they are, you know. But I also feel like it goes back to my theory on luck. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the lack of happenstance of luck. It's just being ready yes. at the right opportunity right, right. is what makes your luck. Because they had the game. They had the game. Prepared and ready. So it was they, like they had manifested is what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love. What a great word, Dana. Uh-huh. They did manifest it, and the universe provided it mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. So they made this game, not knowing when they'd have the opportunity. Right. But it was there and ready, and the universe answered them. Yep. But, yeah, I definitely, I love that. I love that kind of. Uh, fortune favors the bold type move they had there. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever felt in our business that there was like a big bold, bold thing and then you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that I can't think of anything that was like super bold. Yeah. Other than like opening the venue, but I don't even know if that was bold. It felt bold at the time. Yeah. No, I think I, I think to me like the boldest thing that we've done recently is with Anthem house. 
is mm. calling up Amanda and saying, we're going to give you a salary. We believe in this product. Mm. And we believe in you so much that we're going to take this hit mm-hmm. because we know that you're going to be able to grow it and we're going to be able to move it. Amanda yeah. looked at me the other day because I was talking about tenting the terrorists for this client. She's like, I thought we didn't do that. I was like, we don't do that. We don't do that for, for people. I was like, we won't have any pictures of this, but I really think that this might be a good option for this Anthem House client. That's a big client, the Bradford, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she's like, she looked at me and she's like, I believe that you can do anything that you set your mind to. She's like, I think that if you think you can do it, it's going to be done. <laughs> like you and Dana, you mm. know. So I think there are people from the outside that think that we do make mm. very bold moves and bold statements and then fulfill those. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think I think the thing that we're the the boldest we are is with our time. I mean, I think we just take on a lot of things. I think we trust people. We trust our employees probably more than most people trust their employees. And we're yeah. bold with like the assumption that we have a great product and we have a great onboard and we have a great training that people will be fine. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we will be okay. And I think that there's, I think the boldness of building our team is probably the, to me, the biggest thing. And we did it early on. Like it wasn't, yeah. you know, we recognize that we needed the time back for it, you know, but I don't know. I love that. I'm not like a super silly person. So I think I would probably have the hardest time with that in general. With the dressing up like people or. Yeah. Just being like bold, like silly, like a silly bold. Oh, like being like, you're not like an impractical person. No, I'm not an impractical person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love the conversation we had and we were talking about kind of like our oh shit moments and when you look at something and you recognize you're mad about it and you want to blame, like blame the manufacturer. I can't believe they did this, they blah, blah, whatever. And then like you kind of get past that blame game and you realize, oh, like ultimately it was my fault. Like if I had just sent this email, if I had just clarified this is what I wanted, I wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened. And I was like really, really, really related that to that a lot. Like just in life in general, like, yeah, like. Where to start on those types of stories? Yes, where you're just like, oh, I'm so angry. This isn't my fault. But then you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things in my life that I feel just like that. Like what? Let's give one good one. I don't know. I could give you one that I don't feel like that, I guess. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything. Like I, when I am like in super stress, I get super procrastinating. And then I literally am like having to do five days worth of work in one day or Mm. catch up on something and it pisses me off or every time I have to pay a damn late fee because I haven't paid something like like on my car title or whatever like it pisses me off because it's not like it's literally just about like procrastinating and not doing it and not Mm -hmm. having making the time to adjust it I've felt that way with a client before where I knew that I wasn't communicating enough for them and it's kind of like a, a game of like hurry up and wait, like getting them to the point where they need to be at before they confronted the fact that I hadn't been communicating with them because right. I knew that I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know. So I've had that happen to me before. Yeah, I mean, like you name it. Mm. It's Sometimes it's about like getting out of yourself and making yourself do something that you don't want to do at the time because you know it's going to benefit your future self later. Yeah, I think I I feel like every crazy season of business we've been in, I look at it as I want to blame circumstances, I want to blame an employee, I want to blame 
mm-hmm. everyone but myself. And really, when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I just didn't manage this well at all. Yeah. I didn't manage my expectations. I didn't manage my time. I like threw money at a problem as opposed to like trying to solve the problem. And, and it's like you put a band aid on something. Well, eventually, a band aid's going to fall off. And then it's going to be like, you know, yeah. when really it needed stitches. Right. right. So it's going to be worse, infected, all that stuff. And, and that's, that's how I feel like we lived a good portion of our business life. It's just yeah. like put a bandaid on, put a bandaid on it. I always hate that. Like I always struggle yeah. with that a lot. I hate like wasting time and I hate wasting money. I hate it when we have to go I've back and do so many money, uh, so much money. And I hate it when we have to go back and do something again because it yeah, wasn't like done the right fence. the first time. Like the fence. Yeah. Or, and I can't, I can't. windows. Yeah. Well, and I can't think, I can't really be with decisions. We didn't really have options at the time, you know, but yeah, and that was, I mean, true. Like we we did we did what we could afford, and so yeah. what we could afford was was not great things. But then you look back on it, but, if, and you're but like, not having a fence wasn't an option, right? But if you look back on it, and you're like, okay, yes, I can see that based on the circumstances that I had, it was the best decision. And where I take the blame is we didn't give ourselves the best circumstances. Like, sure, that's what I look at it as, and like we were so afraid of everything. That we just played it so safely that if we had just like fully jumped in yeah. and trusted ourselves, it would have been a very different story. Now, granted, you can't. It's hindsight's twenty twenty, and I, and I understand why we made all the choices we did. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I can also look at it and say, okay, yeah. But then at the same time, let's look at it this way: we made those choices. We did it as minimally as possible. We carry as little debt as possible, and everything that we have now, like every improvement that we have made at the Bradford now besides like the big ballroom, is bought for cash, right? Yeah. So we're not mortgaging it. We're not paying no. interest on it. None of those things. So, I mean, there are some good positives in there. Yeah, but I I think that because we refinanced in general, like yeah. it's not like we built it and that's what it was. We had to wrap up a ton of debt that we did have. So I, th- I think that if we would have just asked for what we needed, like if yeah. we would have asked for like the half a million dollars that we needed and built it how we wanted to build it at that time, yeah, it would have been fine. I think we still would be in the same financial situation we are now. Okay. So we talked a little bit about how they met uh, Sarah and Jesse and whatnot, but they had said that they put that on their vision board as mm-hmm. the celebrity that they wanted to meet that year, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I've never specifically thought about meeting a celebrity any particular yeah. year. So if you were to put a celebrity on your vision board to meet in, say, like 2023, who would that be? I have no idea. I thought it was interesting that she said Sarah Blakely because I've said that before. Yeah. Like in this podcast that it would be amazing to meet Sarah Blakely because I think she's an amazing business person, the way that she's grown her business. I think it's amazing. Uh, So that would be fun. I probably wouldn't dress up like Sarah Blakely. I feel like I've met so many neat people though in the past year and a half like this podcast that I don't feel like I'm the lack of like like I'm wanting, like I don't have that inspiration because I feel like a lot of people, most people we like, interview have been super inspirational yeah but how about elise powerful. myers meaningful it'd be so fun to meet elise myers oh, that'd just be fun yeah yeah i would enjoy that i do love her i know she's so entertaining she is so entertaining i don't know i've always thought it would be really fun to meet somebody like to me like brene brown or yeah glennon doyle glennon doyle like, like i feel like i'd glean so much yeah from them like they've given me so much and they have like just their knowledge and presence and 
ability to cut through bullshit, I think is. I love Jen Hatmaker. Yeah. That'd be a neat person. That would be. Yeah. yeah. But all those people, I feel like they already give me so much of themselves, of themselves. So you don't need to meet them. No, I, w- I think it'd be neat to meet them, but I feel like it would be neat to meet them just to like confirm that they're good people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel like they give so much, especially like Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown with like their podcast. Like they're like so much. Yeah. In there, you know, like you, you feel like you feel like you know them. You feel like you can. They're already teaching you. You know, Brene works with her sisters. Yeah, her so sisters work Glennon. with her. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting. Yeah, like they all have pivotal roles, key roles in her organization. Yeah, that's. I think Glenn works with her sister. Um, it's like her manager, agent, or whatever, yeah. something like that. Which I think is interesting. It is interesting. I think it must be interesting. It would be interesting to, to have a for your sister. Yeah, right. To have like a famous sister, and then you're like the behind the scenes person. Yeah. That'd be weird. Yeah, wouldn't that be weird? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. You don't work for me. <laughs> no, I have a famous sister. I'm the behind the scenes person. I, I was telling Dana this the other day, though, that I w- we were driving back from Florida. We are talking about celebrities. And Liam, my eight-year-old, asked me, he said, are you a celebrity? Asked me that. And I was like, uh, no. He's like, I feel like you're kind of famous. <laughs> I said, uh, only in really small circles, like mm-hmm. in my industry. And I wouldn't even say famous. Like right. people know Snown. me. He's like, I feel like if you're not a celebrity, you're going to be one. <laughs> but you seem like a celebrity to me. Mm-hmm. It always makes me like think like, what do our kids think of us? Oh, Ada, Ada thinks that because she's like, any, and, and it's true. Anywhere we go, we go out to dinner. We go to like the Walmart. We go to Target. I always know somebody. Mm-hmm. She's like, how do you know so many people? I was like, well, I literally have done thousands of weddings, which means I have thousands of clients and take that times, let's just say on average, 100 person a wedding. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 100,000 people that I've like interacted with. And a lot of times I don't even know, I don't recognize them or I don't know them and they'll just stop me or say something or whatever. But I was like, it's just when you're surrounded by that many people all the time, like you're bound to know a lot of people. It is weird when someone that you don't know knows who you are. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were walking into the Kendra Scott that one day and oh, yeah. we were looking at some jewelry and this girl staring at us. And she's like, do you guys own the Bradford? We're like, yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. It's like, I've been following you. Like, that's weird. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, I don't know who you are. You feel like you should. Like, if someone right. knows who you are, you should have some reference right. for who they are. Right. No, nothing. Yeah. They work at Kendra Scott, I guess. Right. All right. Um, I love other thing I really liked is how open they were to feedback mm. in their like original mm-hmm. kind of it's dangerous. It, I know. I was thinking that. I was like, you guys have tough skin to ask yeah. for all that feedback. You guys have tough skin. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes from a place of definitely have to have tough skin, but the drive to be better mm-hmm. has to yeah. be greater than your own like humility. Yeah. You know, or your own pride. Your own pride. Sorry. Yeah. You have to have, have to have more humility. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It'd be hard to like start your business early that way. Like, I'm I, but I think that's why for me, feedback from random people is I can take it better than feedback from like someone that I care about. One, because I don't trust the feedback from someone that I care about. I, I don't trust that they're actually being honest with yeah. what they thought it was. They're just trying to like be kind or be nice or something. Right. And they're, they're trying to like sugarcoat or like tiptoe around. I'm like, just say it. Just say what needs to change. Right. Right. So the reasons why I really love um, our PR person, Megan Ely, because she will give you it straight. She will. I and mean, she'll tell you like, 
like she's very nice about it. Like yeah. she's not rude. She's not disrespectful. She doesn't like minimize what you've done, but she's just like, this is what I see and take it for what it's worth. But this is what I would change if I was you. I'm yeah. Like, okay. I do think that she is very good about that. Yeah. And she's thorough. It's not like, that's what I appreciate too, is people who take the time to yes. actually answer the questions and to give feedback that is helpful and not just feedback, just to hear, just to give feedback. Right. Like I had to fill out like, I've been filling out like reviews for like Nate's experience conference oh, yeah. and all that stuff and like my thoughts. And I didn't want to just be like, great. They were great. I'm like, you know what? Let me give something meaningful here. Like this was super helpful. Yeah. Or I felt like this was an area that like I could understand what you were saying, but it was a little unclear or, you know, I didn't really think that this was the best avenue or place that this person should have been talking about. Right. Yeah. Like, not to be mean, but mm -hmm. this is from my own limited view. This is how I felt. Right. I think it's helpful. I, I do think that as I get older and grow businesses or whatnot, that I really value people's feedback. So I tend to give more feedback to people. Yeah, but I have a hard time because I think that we live in a world of like, and I think this is worse now than it was when we were younger, of insecure people. Mm -hmm. Like when you're when you're an insecure person, and you're about where you are and who you are, your feedback is meaningless because you can only look at it through the eyes of yourself. Right. So you can say like, okay, like, and I, I remember this early on, like there was something I felt like I deserved, whether it was because I felt like I should have been the one talking or speaking or something. And then you're giving feedback on that person. You're just like, you're ripping them apart because you're like, oh, I would have done it so much better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's different when you're in a place where like, okay, I'm happy with where I am at. I'm on a trajectory that I appreciate. And you're able to look at it more objectively. Yeah. Which is, I think anytime you get those nasty, negative one-star comments, it's be it has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. It's everything to do with how they're Or a feeling. comment from a family member. <laughs> right. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but I, I think that that is how I've started to look at when I give feedback is like, is what, what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. What do I hope for this person to gain from this? Right. And is it something that I need to say because I want to hear myself talk and I need to sound off? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, that's like not, not appropriate yeah. in this avenue. That's like between a friend and you want to vent or whatever. Or is it something that I feel like genuinely is harmful to another person that needs to be addressed? Right. You know? Yeah. And those are kind of like my parameters yeah. for giving. And if I don't have anything nice to say, I just don't say anything at all. I, I know. And I also think that like as a general rule, and this definitely does fall in like the family category for me, is like if I didn't ask for your feedback, mm -hmm. like don't, don't give, give it. it to me. Right. Like I'm right. not open to it if I'm not asking you for I it. I know. I had a – this is a couple of years ago, but I had a, an issue with somebody. I called a friend of mine, a business friend. I said, hey, like I don't know how to handle this. She's like, well, step one is text them and say, I need to have a – I would like to have a conversation with you. Are you open to some feedback? And I did, and the person said no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Which meant, one, it saved me so much energy. Yeah. Because I could have launched into the problem, and they would have never heard me. Yeah. They would have never heard they've what I was trying so to defensive. say because they've been so defensive. Mm -hmm. So they're not ready to hear it. And I can respect that boundary. Be like, all right, cool. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Hope you're having a great time. Suck it back. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. but like it's I think it's like the one of the best pieces of advice I've ever, ever, ever received from mm -hmm. anybody is when I feel the need. Like I have is like, can I give you some feedback? And if they say no, then OK. <laughs> the end. The end. All right. Well, my fuck up of the week was... We had just an experience and we were 
did Universal with the kids, and we were in Orlando, and we were getting ready to leave. And we wanted to have one last breakfast together with, like, the parents and the family and whatnot. We were going to do it at the restaurant at the hotel. And it was, like, a 30-minute wait. So we're like, all right, well, we have a 10-hour drive. Like, we can find another restaurant or whatever. So Dana finds a Perkins, mm-hmm. right? And it's, like, two miles away. Get everything loaded up. And it's not even breakfast time, mind you, at this point. It's, like, 10.30 or 11 o'clock. Right. Like, it's later in the day. And we get to the Perkins, and it's a 30-minute wait. And my dad called, and they said, there's no one here. That's and I was right. Like, Great. We get there. It's a 30-minute wait. So we're like, are we going to wait? Are we just going to go? So Dana calls another restaurant that's down the street. Also, at least a 30-minute wait. We're just going to disperse. Get your own breakfast. It's fine. So we get in the car, and we drive a good hour, like, from where we were. So now it's, like, literally, like, close to lunchtime. Like, you're mm-hmm. not even in lunch bre- or breakfast, brunch, any of that. And we decided to go to Cracker Barrel because there's, like, very limited fast food that I can eat because my gluten intolerance. And we get there, and it's a 30-minute wait. <laughs> I told Mikhail, I was like, we were not avoiding this 30-minute wait. And we should have just had the original 30-minute wait at the mm-hmm. breakfast at the hotel, which is good breakfast. Right. With fam. Right. Taking my 30 minutes then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my fuck up of the week. Mm. Mine is also about traveling. It was probably the, it was uh, not of the week, but of the week before when I just forgot that my kids get car sick. Oh, yes. And I should have Dramamine them before we left and, or at least the very first trek from our house to Florida, it's like an hour of stop and go, of stop and go, like traffic lights going through Fayetteville and in general, when we're in the car, the kids can't do anything. They can't read. They don't, like, look at their phones or their tablets or whatever. And I just was, like, driving by myself, and I didn't want to hear any bitching. So I was like, sure, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. And they both got car sick within five minutes of each other. Yes. Yeah. I texted, so Ada got sick. And I do travel with a bunch of Ziploc bags, which is, like, my mom tip of the year. I always have – I have literally a box of Ziplocs mm-hmm. in my car. And they're great. They throw up in them, and then they're they have to – we wait until they're done puking and then they zip it up and they go throw it in the trash can at wherever we're stopped because mm-hmm. I normally let them get out and get some fresh air. So I texted Sam after Ada started puking and I was like, oh, one's down. And he's like, hopefully that it was within like 30 minutes of the trip. He's like, well, hopefully that just bodes well. The rest of the trip will be fine. I was like, yeah. So we get back on the road. We're not, not even, there like not 10 minutes. Not even 10 minutes. And Henry's like, I got to throw up. So he pukes. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. We pull over because we were car we were carpooling and Mason was like we're just gonna roll on tell yeah. him that we're gonna roll on <laughs> I did do that and then so then we stopped at a Walgreens I got some Dramamine mm-hmm. and some other stuff and made them I just basically was like I don't want to hear a word close your eyes take the pill go to sleep and Courtney's like all right let's go and I I see her and I was like why is she going this way it's super bizarre and I'm driving driving and I was like I am following the wrong car <laughs> and Courtney's like calls and she's like where are you I was like just I'll meet you in Melbourne. <laughs> I don't know. I am like ten. I went five minutes the wrong way. I'll turn around. Yeah, well, she's no. She didn't say. I didn't. I didn't. You called me and you said, "Where are you?" And yeah. I was like, "I don't know." You were right behind me, and she's like, "I followed the wrong car." I'm like, "Well, I'm not there." Yeah, <laughs> I'm headed to here. We caught back up together. We did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I couldn't figure. Out. I was like, "Why is she turning around already?" Like she's going the wrong way. And I was like, and "It wasn't even. It wasn't even a car similar to her car. It was uh-huh. just. It was literally just a black SUV. Just any black. I think it was SUV. like a Toyota." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god." 
All right. Well, that was such a good episode. It was so good. It was so I much. So it was a lot, a lot of fun. I know we're gonna have to come back because I I think we're definitely gonna order one. Yeah. For for Thanksgiving, and we'll have to come back and give some feedback. Give some, no, just tell me how much I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure it's wonderful. I'm sure it is. Thanks, everyone, for gathering us today to talk about The Hustle. For our episode with Jackie and Cassie, we are drinking an espresso martini. We hope you get the chance to make it this week. And cheers to sisters in business. To learn more and connect with Jackie and Cassie, you can visit their business on Instagram at BundleGame or visit their website at TheBundleGame.com. You can also connect with them personally on Instagram by searching at Jacqueline Collier and at Cassie underscore Collier1. To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at Anthem.house, and at Hustling Gather. If you're interested in learning more about speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustlinggather.com. Also, if you love us and you love the show, we'd be more than honored if you left us a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Earfluence. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustling Gather. <laughs>